0: Hello, Jokerman listeners, I'm Ian, and welcome to 2023, 20, the fourth, can you fucking believe it, uh, consecutive year of Jokerman Podcast. We are going to be hopping back onto the Lou and John show shortly, next week, uh, beginning the 80s with the two of them, Oni swah and Growing Up in Public Cannot Wait to get started on that journey with you all. But before we do, one last curveball to throw at you here. Many of you might remember, uh, back uh, in August, a couple months ago, we recorded a pretty lengthy, pretty deep, pretty tough, but ultimately, I think, pretty rewarding conversation about the Purple Mountains uh, LP, uh, David Berman's final album of music, um, that he managed to release, and, um, wanted to, wanted to come back to him, uh, because he is just such a beautiful man, such a beautiful soul, and there's so much beautiful music in his discography, uh, as the Silver Jews. and wouldn't you know it, David was born January 4th, 1967, Williamsburg, Virginia and uh, inter- intersects so cleanly, so nicely, so faithfully, you might think, uh, with the start of a new year. Uh, you know, a great way to reflect and look forward uh, at uh, whatever may be around the corner. Uh, and so we're taking this opportunity to kick off the inaugural David Berman Week here on Jockerman Podcast, something that I hope will grow into a tradition that we can come back to again and again. And we're starting it off with, well, we're starting... At the end, with Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea, the 2008 swan song of The Silver Jews, a record that might have been misunderstood at the time of its release, but I think has only grown in stature in the years since. And we were so privileged to be joined by our friend Vish Khanna of Creative Control. Vish and David actually got to know each other over... Um, actually quite a few years. Um you'll you'll hear a little bit more about that shortly, uh, the way that they sort of linked up and then developed this relationship, uh, from a distance, you know, uh, over email mostly. Um, but uh really came back to again and again throughout the years, um and, and formed ultimately just a really beautiful uh bond between the two of them. And Vish was so Kind and generous and warm and forthright. I think in this conversation with us, um, it is just as I think rewarding and fulfilling and significant of a uh, conversation as the initial Purple Mountains episode was. Um, if not, you know, if not more so, uh, with uh, with Visha's added perspective here, was initially going to be just just a one parter, uh, you know, locked up behind the Patreon wall. But it really turned into such a uh, you know, well, you'll hear it for yourself. It turned into to such a great conversation that. We wanted to be able to make some of it uh, audible to the listening public. So that's what we've done here. This is going to be a classic style Jokerman side A, side B episode. We don't even get into the music on side A because there's just so much to say about David and uh, and and his life and what he meant to, to Vish and to so many others around the world. But it really was... Like I said, just a, a, a beautiful conversation and we, we cannot thank Vish enough for joining us for this look at a beautiful man and a beautiful record so without any further ado the first episode of 2023 it's lookout Mountain look out sea strange victory
1: strange victory Welcome back. It's Jokerman Podcast again. I'm Evan.
0: I'm Ian. And today we are privileged to be joined by the host of Creative Control, Vish Khanna. Vish, thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are you?
0: Not too bad. I'm dressed like a minion, according to Evan. Uh, well, according to anyone
1: <laughs> with two sets of, with, with two eyes, with or one two eye. S- Two sets of eyes. If you have two sets of eyes, really well, we can really home in on that minion stuff. Well, VG, yeah. you can all, as you can see, <laughs> you can attest to it. We have, uh, you know, you're wearing glasses, uh, so some might say four eyes. On, I do on have your four screen eyes. <laughs> Two from here. He's dressed like a minion. What do you want from me? He's, he's wearing yellow and overalls.
0: Is there some occasion that necessitates you dressing like a minion? It's, uh, it's the occasion of taking my dog to the dog park every day. She's uh, a little rambunctious. She gets a little muddy. So uh, the overalls are just sort of a standard uh, uh, outfit that can take a lot of uh, use and abuse from her. And uh, it's cold here in old San Francisco. San Francisco, BC. Oh, yellow uh, so. is as, as we
1: know, yellow is a warm color. It sort of that's keeps right. the heat in. It's right. like the sun. It, that, it, that's it warms what You're out. gonna say. All
2: right, yeah. All right. I, I get it. I get it. I, well, you look great. I mean, if I might say, I, I don't know, your colleagues disparaging you, but I think you look sharp.
1: <laughs> I didn't say anything negative. I'm just sort of pointing out a fact.
2: I guess that's true. I apologize, Evan. You're right. Uh, Thank it's you. It's okay. <laughs>
0: uh, well, uh, like I said, we are here to uh, continue mm-hmm. celebrating. Uh, uh, one of this generation's really just great artists in general. Uh, David Berman, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea from two thousand eight, which was a record that you mentioned right off the bat when we were emailing Beach, that was like one that you like. This you were interested in this, you know, right away. What what is it about this album? I think before we even get into specifics, that kind of speaks to you.
2: Well, I mean, as you both know, I think I had a couple of conversations with David uh, in my lifetime. Uh, the f- I, we did an email interview for Tanglewood Numbers. Uh, then we did a phone call about uh, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea and the Silver Jew documentary. Uh, those two things are very meaningful to me, even to get to—we mm. didn't exchange emails directly. But just to have that connection with him, even remotely, was pretty remarkable for me. And then I went to see Silver Jew's uh, at the end of their first tour in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I got to see a show— Mm-hmm. and so with Numbers just uh I don't know that one resonated with me it was the first time and then I met him I met David outside we got there early we drove in from Canada I met David that's the first time I met him my friend uh Sully suggested uh we bring our copies of actual air I'm not an autograph person I don't like autographs I don't care I don't I don't like them. <laughs> but uh I brought my book uh you know book uh book signing uh inscriptions that's different that's not like an autograph that's uh You made a book. I want you to sign it, I think. Sure. I think there's a distinction. That is different. I I know what you mean. It's It's a little different. I'm just saying. I I was like, okay, Sully, I'll bring my book. Anyway, David signed it. I said, hey, you know, we had an email exchange. Uh, I I did an interview via your publicist via email. He's like, oh, yeah, the Canadians, they're my favorite. You're always so kind to me. You're so nice to me. I was like, oh, wow. Anyway, this started this bit of rapport because – when I asked again uh, about Lookout uh, Mountain, Lookout Sea to do an, uh, an interview with David, they said yes. And I got on the horn with him, and uh, I got to talk to him about it. And when I spoke to David for the last time in 2019, uh, mm. there were echoes of Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea in that conversation because he talked about um, how devastating some of the reviews were for him personally of that particular Silver Jews Ooh, yeah. album, basically forced him into retirement is what he was intimating to me. And right. that made me, that comment made me reevaluate Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea, because I will be honest with you, I have a sense memory of th- being very excited about Tanglewood Numbers, being a bit more mystified by Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea. It, seemed, it seemed lighter. I, I didn't, it was like, it, it seemed like less uh, serious. And which is mm-hmm. fine. David has a lot of levity in his work and and whatnot. But I remember liking it, but uh, but not being surprised that maybe it was the end for some reason. He even intimates that yeah. in our conversation in 2008 that he, he doesn't see if the people he's playing with will still be the band and and whatnot. Uh, it, it come uh, at the end of that tour cycle he was on. Anyway, I when he made those comments about people uh, underappreciating it. To me in 2019, I was like, you know what? I'm going to re-listen to this record. So I popped mm. the compact disc in the minivan. Or at the time, it was a 2005 Toyota Matrix. But we, uh, my family and I, <laughs> took a road trip to the Maritimes in the summer of 2019. Um, I got back the weekend before David uh, took his life, and uh, I was at a music festival. My parent, my my family and I rather rented a minivan, and I brought some CDs. And I also was able to hook up my phone. Uh, to the CD, to the car it was fancy for me at the time, and we we listened to Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea a lot. My kids really liked it; they really enjoyed it. Sure, and uh, that gave me a renewed appreciation for it. David's comments about it made me want to revisit it, and then I got all in, and then I came to the weird conclusion that it might be the best one. I I just mm, I 180ed wow. myself, and mm. uh, in this exercise, you asked me to be on for this one. I dug in, and I'm like, man. It's fucking brilliant. Like, it's so good. And it was so, 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 unappreciated at the time. And, uh, anyway, that's a long way of saying it's been a saga for me with this record. I, sure. I may have fallen into that. I remember loving it, but I also, in the, I, I can't be alone. I, I don't know. What did you guys think? Did you? No,
1: yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. I mean, I came to the Silver Jews much later than, uh, someone. It, who is squarely in the demographic probably should like it took a while. Yeah. I think I was, it was right before, um, purple mountains came out. It had been announced and I was like, well, I've got to get to know more of what came before this. Cause I'd heard like the singles and it was like, yeah. Oh, this is so great. And then of course, uh, you know, uh, the rest is great. So when I got to this one, mm. I, I didn't really, um, know the records, Front to back at that point and so for me this record just seemed to be overall lighter but I didn't think of it as being less than the other ones um in any sort of way no and certain songs on it stood out to me immediately um the closing track especially uh was one that oh well, we'll get to it but um it it's uh now, I'm I, I, having seen and heard a bit from you and from other people, and just reading the reviews and and your interview with him, um, I I kind of see it in a similar way. It's it reminds me of when Bob Dylan talks about Shot of Love, which is this record that he loved. Apparently, it was like very fun yeah. for him to do, and yeah. it always bummed him out. Uh, whenever it comes up, it's like uh, uh, it, Dylan seems actually just saddened by the fact that nobody really gave it the time of day and when you actually listen to it it's like kind of a record where he, that finds him feeling really uh energized and having fun uh and and spontaneous and um sometimes it's those moments with with an artist who has such monumental uh cathartic peaks in their catalog yeah. that like These other moments seem minor, but um, it's really, I think, we're coming to realize more and more, whether it's Dylan or anyone else, when an artist of that caliber is able to feel free enough to do something light, it's a major thing. It's a big deal.
2: It's interesting that you invoke Dylan because they're, I I know people draw these parallels just because they're great songwriters, but it's interesting because you were talking about Starlight Walker, which has a lot of fun in it. A lot of jokes, a little frivolity. Dylan, too, started with, you know, giggling on record constantly, you know? And And then kind of through the gravitas that was foisted upon him and David, I think, went stoic a little bit. So you had more stoicism. There was some humor, if you were looking for it, and listening close, but they were kind of, I don't know, believing the kind of serious hype about themselves a little bit. I don't know about this about David, but that's my Dylan read is that he was serious sure. and by the late 60s he was ready to have some more fun certainly the the stuff with the band and big pink like that was fun and he's like oh yeah this is why i did this it's fucking fun right. i don't have to be this serious <laughs> mm-hmm. guy and i think david probably endured that as well like in preparation for this i thought i should re-listen to Tanglewood numbers and that was interesting in itself, just how wild that record sounded at the time. It was just sense memory taken right back to first putting it on and be like, this is kind of off kilter.
0: This is a bit wild for for a Jews record, especially coming after bright flight, which is, you know, just a beautiful, gentle, just like country album. Basically.
1: Some of the darkest songs also are on that, uh, that record. Um, Well, this is the, the record that
2: uh, Tanglewood is the record that where we learned uh, but within the press cycle we learned that david had tried to take his own life right. and was bec- uh, a drug addict and all these things things that i don't think we knew but i i, I
0: had't had explicitly meant, labeled
1: i meant on yeah. on uh bright flight seems to be is the, oh, the oh, dark sorry. is the one that really for me it seems to have these moments where he's really close to it, some bad feelings and then uh it that makes that tracks you know that he during that time was probably going through it um, the record previous, but then you have Tanglewood numbers, which, yeah, as you said, it's like, it almost, it feels like a fall record kind of, we've been talking about the fall a bit on the show too. And it has, um, something of that, uh, sort of, uh, ramshackle, like seat of his pants, playfulness, um, which, you know, finds him like really seeming really, um, excitable, uh, like with K-hole he's, and animal shapes he, and all that. Yeah,
2: but he sounds a little burnt out too. Yeah, or he's some, not in some,
0: a good place in tango numbers. I don't, I don't
2: know that he is. Yeah, and I th- I didn't pick up on that at the time mm. as much as I should have. Like, um, there is the humor there and there's some really funny stuff, but it's also uh, interesting just to hear his, his his speaking voice is so nasally and his singing voice tends to be so deep and what I was listening today, and I'm like, this is closer to that nasally... Sp- speaking voice which I don't know sometimes it doesn't sound quite as strong sure. when he's singing deeper mm-hmm. and so I, I that was my perspective on Tanglewood as I was listening to it today and I'm sure we're going to get to the revelation that is Cassie Berman oh, uh, on geez. Lookout Mountain oh, yeah. but also on Tanglewood Like, I think he was experimenting a little bit they were experimenting with what her role could be but then by Lookout Mountain you're just
0: like holy shit she's just as much a part of the band as yeah. he is at this point yeah yes. for, for me uh, just you know on the note of what this record is in terms of you know kind of our overall appreciation for jews uh music it like this is the one that made me fall in love with the band. I think this is my favorite silver juice oh, record wow. I'll just yeah. you know i won't keep anyone guessing um yeah, and it has my favorite silver juice song on it, maybe like multiple of my favorite silver juice songs on it um and uh you know i like I had always. Tried to start with American Water, you know, because that was and I came to it later like Evan did, obviously, as well, Um, because American Water is the one right if you're going to listen to a Silver Jews record and it starts with random rules and it's an amazing listen and you've got Smith and Jones and people and wild mm-hmm. kindness and so many signature songs there but it it just didn't click with me for whatever reason pavement i, I always have really loved you know um but it, like not or i've always really liked but i haven't loved i should say I see. um and that record sounds really pavementy. y it's mm-hmm. it's the, maybe the most Malcolm-y record in the catalog which is to
1: say it's copying the fall indirectly <laughs> 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 call um, back to
2: your own uh, show there about the the fall you've been focusing on so much yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it just
1: it just came up that you know the P- Pavement gets sl- slammed with the uh, Marquis Smith uh, copycat brand a lot. By Marquis Smith himself? Yeah, he says that they copied him. He w- yeah. relentlessly says that. So he
2: said that about everyone. He thinks everyone copied them, <laughs> yeah. I think. But Pavement, were definitely in his crosshairs. It is, uh, like Starlight Walker, uh, a record where Malcolmus' voice is the most prominent. Um, so I hear where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting to talk to uh, two dudes uh, who are presumably younger than me. I listened to the Silver Jews in chronological order. Uh, I stumbled upon the Silver Jews because I I, I questioned this origin story a little bit because there's two things that could have happened. I know for sure I was rifling through the pavement section at a record store in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario in Canada called Encore Records, and Mark Logan and the people working there would do a thing where the pavement section would include any side projects. The Sonic Youth section would include Free Kitten and whatever else. And so if you didn't, it was just R-I-Y-L, I I guess. (laughs) So that's where I first picked up uh, CD copies of Starlight Walker and the Arizona record because I was like, Silver Jews, what is this? Now, the origin story confusion is there was also a really great fanzine based in Kitchener called Filler, And one of the first issues of it, if not the first issue, has Ian Mackay on the cover. Interview with Drive Like Jehu. Interview with Berman. Interview with, I think, Gerard Cosloy. Like, just bonkers, like, for a small zine. Murderer's Row. Yeah, really well done. I'm missing someone, too. I think maybe, probably Will Oldham's in there, too. I don't remember, but it was bonkers. Anyway, it was just floating in the air. But certainly seeing it in the pavement section, when you pick out... Pick up Starlight Walker on the back. There's Steven, There's Bob. Steve and Bob, and yeah, David, from yeah. Pavement. So you're like, oh, this is a definite Pavement connection. And then I just fell in love with it. And I fell in love with side projects. And I fell in love with the idea that you know, it was really cool for these guys that I loved in Pavement to just do whatever they wanted elsewhere. Right. And then I fell in love with David. And uh, and anyway, so I have sense memories of every record. Certainly, Heartache. I was going through. And putting on American water and being like, "You hear random rules and you're going through a breakup." Well, that was the first time <laughs> it I heard it. Sounds difficult. It's very. It was. Well. I was it in was... my par- my parents' house, home for the holidays, I think, or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember being home and hearing it, and just being like, "Holy shit!" Uh, you know, I nothing can change the fact that we used to share a bed. Like I was like, yeah. "Ah, I was a young kid then too." <laughs> anyway, I, I am. Uh, it's interesting. So all I'm getting at is, yeah, i chronologically, I I just have a different perspective than you guys because you're right. You're 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 researching and you're coming to things, and some things are coming at you differently. Uh, in some ways, yeah, I think I slept. A, I li- even though I covered it and probably reviewed it, I think
0: "Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea" was just not something
2: that I would have said to someone. Here's
0: your entry point in the Silver Juice. Thinking back on it, like coming out in two thousand eight, right, like seems like maybe one of the worst possible times this record could have come out. Because if you think about what was like big in the zeitgeist in indie, you know, music in, in the the pitchfork world, you know, to mm-hmm. name drop the publication <laughs> that uh, you know David had such a hard time with in terms of uh, the reception to this record. Um, like this style of music was just not on vogue. You know, yeah. it was not just popular. It was it was it was not ascendant. Um, And obviously, you know, there have been a lot of ups and downs uh, since then. And I think when Purple Mountains came out, that actually was like a really great high watermark time for that style of record and that style of art. Um and uh, and this record I think just like based on what was going on it was swimming upstream I think when it when it would have come I'm out. trying to think of um, what you're
2: referring to exactly zeitgeist wise what what was going on that I'm forgetting
0: Fleet Foxes Boney Bear oh, right. Animal Collective yeah. going into the chill wave kind of era Grizzly Bear you know it, it just um you know this this classic kind of standard classic American songwriting you know that David's doing here because this is a record that is just beautiful it's an easy listen to me that's the first word that comes to mind that's not a record excuse me not a word that I associate with many other Jews records really any other Jews records Um, maybe some a little bit on Purple Mountains but um, you know this is just such an easy bright uh, enjoyable listen if you're just listening sonically I think Um, and uh, and and that's just you know I think we've like I said we've kind of come back around on that uh, more recently over the last couple of years. But at the time, this was just, you know, it it, uh, it didn't sound the way that the other stuff that was reigning on the top year-end charts, I think, did.
2: I think going back to what I was trying to get to earlier about the frivolity to stoicism back to frivolity uh, cycle, if you if you look at Dylan's first 10, 12 years mm. uh, in the public eye and what David was up to, like, I think that was part of what I even... I don't remember if I discussed this with him per se, but I suggested to him that it felt lighter to me uh, compared to uh, certainly Tanglewood Numbers and, others, right. and other Jews' records. And I think he, as I recall, he he agreed. And I, I don't know if that necessarily meant he was in a better place, but when I spoke to him about this record, he said he was employing more common language. And as you go through some of the story songs like San Francisco, B.C. or Aloysius, like, like you just... It's really funny storytelling. Um, totally. And, and so I think he found the fun again in writing and the challenges of writing songs like this and, and narrative songs like this in, in a couple of cases. So I hear that. I hear the fun. I hear, I, I hear a guy finding the joy of his craft again. Um, not that it was necessarily lost on Tanglewood Numbers. Again, also, we can't discount the fact this is all informed by him hitting the road. For Tanglewood numbers and actually yeah, turning the Jews get, into an
0: actual touring rock and roll road band,
2: but actually experiencing the sort of mythical love for him that he didn't. As someone who never toured, people like me would say, "I love you, I love you, I love your work. You changed my life." And it would be like, I, th- I assume it would be sporadic. You go and you greet these crowds. Like when I was in Ann Arbor, I could see it. I've been to it. I'd already been to a billion shows. You can tell. You can tell when someone's like, "I can't believe this! I can't believe right. these people are here for me," and he felt it. And I remember his presence on stage; like you could see a guy who felt loved mm. uh, presenting himself. So, and I think that maybe lightened him up for this batch of songwriting a little bit. Like, yeah, no question. what am I doing? Like, well, maybe I can have a little bit of fun. Not to suggest there's not some darkness. Uh, of course, it's David, <laughs> but um, but it's questioning. It's questioning the darkness. Uh, a little bit and and prodding it for answers and uh, anyway yeah it's a it's a wonderful record sorry I'm I'm okay that's enough for of me good night guys <laughs> no, I, I was a, wrapping a, up the
1: show and I didn't mean to do that no you what you do is a great intro to uh, starting up talk of the first song I think yeah perfect
0: yeah. Uh, perfect segue into uh, the, the start of the record there is just uh, I, I just on the note of of what you were talking about before we jump in the um, uh, I was watching Silver Jew today before oh, we hopped on yeah got you know the documentary of him going to Tel Aviv and um, uh, Jerusalem in two thousand seven. I think canceled.
1: He's canceled. Yeah, um, just kidding. but kidding. there's
0: there's <laughs> this uh, there's this amazing just like quote candid quote from him where he says something like you know he's talking to people after the show and he just says something like. You know, I I never make people happy. I don't make people happy. I, I sometimes make them sad, but I never make them happy.
1: So you know what, in my whole life, I've never ever had the experience of making people happy. I'm always just a guy in a corner or, you know, I might make my mother happy if I bring her a block of wood where I wrote my name on it, Love David. But
0: you know, if you never play
1: live, I've never been around Silver Juice fans. And so to me, I don't even know. I'm like, you know, I usually, I never make people happy. I don't do anything. I don't make them sad. Sometimes I do, actually. But it's great to see that you're excited because I know yeah. you mean it.
0: Um, And just, you know, obviously nothing could be further from the truth. This music has connected with so many people around the world and has meant so much to so many in so many different circumstances. You yourself listening to Random Rules at your parents' house, you know, going through a breakup in 1998. They all
2: speak, um, all, all of it speaks to me. Like all of it as soon as I, he's one of the few people, like every record I, I have a vague, if not, crystal clear than at least a vague sense memory of when it hit me and what it, what it inspired me to try to do with music right. or life. Like I, I, it's just one of the great tragedies of my, I don't know. I told you guys, I went to Sappy Fest, uh, or I don't know <laughs> if I mentioned it by name. I went to this, I went with my family in uh, late July. Uh, we headed out to the Maritimes from Ontario, where I was living at the time, or where I'm from. And um, when I got, part of it was to visit some friends, but there's an annual festival in Sackville, New Brunswick called Sappy Fest. It's amazing. If you ever want to take your show on the road, or if you ever want a road trip from California uh, or wherever you guys, yeah. whatever, you should <laughs> it's go. It's a little way. It's, a, it's amazing. It's a great festival. It's one of my favorites. And um, anyway, I'm walking around the grounds and I, I hadn't been there in a few years because my kids were born. I used to go every year and I, I hadn't been in a while, and people were coming up to me and they're like, that interview with David oh my God, I loved yeah. it so much. It was so great to hear from him. And the the music sounds amazing, the new music. I'm like, oh, thank you. And this was like, I couldn't go 10, 10 feet. Every couple hours, someone was talking to me about David. And I was on the road. And it's a great regret of my life that I didn't um, write him uh, to tell him this. I meant to do it. The day we got back, he was gone. Like I was unpacking the van and a friend a friend right. texted me. Coldly, if I might say. David David Berman died. I said, What? Mm. Um and it's a huge regret of mine. Because my thing here and the the way I'm trying to connect all this is there was no amount of love that I think was enough. From an objective point of view, like I didn't mm-hmm. know him very well. I didn't know him. Like I we, we talked a few times in my life and sure. we emailed. He was very kind to me um uh in the last uh Four or five years of his life when we would correspond, and I can tell you that how that happened, if you want, in a second, because it kind of came out of the blue for me um, that he reached out um, because he. Sorry, let me just quickly say this. Over the years, I've had this podcast, Creative Control, and I've covered David, and I've talked about David to mutual friends. I say, hey, what's going on with David? Will, Dan Behar, whoever, what's going on? Have you talked to David? What's going on, Bob Nystanovich? And they'll they'll say stuff, and I would ask Drag City. Period periodically like hey you know David wants to ever talk tell him I'm interested I don't know what if that was it or David I think we maybe would all agree was a Googler <laughs> I, I don't think he was unaware of what was being said about mm-hmm. him he emailed Very me true. he emailed me out of the blue to say hey I appreciate what you're saying uh, that you, that you want to talk to me I'm not in any shape. To, to talk right now but if I ever do an interview I promise you the first one will be with you and that's what happened so that happened around I think I've I've got this all chronicled somewhere and I'm riffing with you guys right now can you imagine your hero reaches out to you like your right. reclusive hero reaches out to you I was on a I was just I, I, I don't know what I did to deserve that except that I I think he knew I loved him and I didn't tell him how much he was loved in, sap, in Sackville. Mm. And I didn't. And I, and I planned to. I was like, as soon as I put this shit away and unpack this minivan and return it to the rental car agency, not to tell you all the tasks I had to do, guys. <laughs> I had a lot of stuff to do, and I was going to send him a note, and I didn't fucking do it. And I don't know if it would have changed a thing. Uh, you know, this is all my own ego. Morning is a lot of ego, I've discovered. It's like, what could I have done? What could I, Vish, have done to help a guy I barely knew? Sure. Who was uh, tr- what did he say? What did he tell me? He had treatment-resistant depression, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's really a fucked up part of. It. It doesn't mean nothing. I would have sent him that email, and I, I don't know if it would have changed a thing. But I. It was palpable the love for him, and and for and I mean, people were excited for me because they knew how much David meant to me. To ha- to ha- he meant to you, yeah, right, yeah. So anyway, I just want to say, he was loved. I don't know if we could have done anything more. Those of us who conveyed it to him came out to shows, wrote about him, what you're doing now. And I didn't get a chance to say this at any point. Um, Thank you so much for your purple mountains episode. Oh, please. It was really beautiful. Like I was, I was listening to it while I was weeding my garden and I, uh, (laughs) and it was a great companion. And, uh, and you really hit some great points. And i that's the most I have listened to Purple Mountain since David died. Mm-hmm. I've not been mm-hmm. able to listen to that record. It's Jews, no problem somehow. Jews is joyous. I can't yeah. listen to them. And you guys, ta- as I recall, you talked about that, how everyone's like, oh, right. this is a sad record. You can't he- listen to it. It's, you know, maybe this has been overblown. I think maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but you you changed me. You guys play little excerpts from the songs is what I'm saying to the people who haven't heard it. And that's the most I've heard that music since he died because I couldn't do it. As you might imagine, I feel self-consciously linked to that record because David did one of a handful of interviews with me and I love that record. And David sent it to me. Uh, when did that thing come out? I think I want to say June of 2019. And he sent it to me. Yeah, summer 19. He sent it to me in like November or December of 2018. Right. Because uh, Bob, my friend Bob Nastanovich, has uh, has a tendency to say things, and I don't think he's always supposed to say them. <laughs> so somewhere in the winter he was like new
0: new david project coming out now i remember that that like he blew up purple mountains before it yeah. even came out, and that he was well, like he starting met- a rumor <laughs> or something online <laughs> he
2: did he did so that prompted me to email david on the one of our large threads of emails and i said david i what's going on is it is it done and he said yeah here it is sent me a 45 minute wave file <laughs> one like just one track of the it's whole not even, even cut into tracks no, just forty five minute wave file oh. and it was beautiful. And dudes, like I mean, what the fuck? Sorry, I, I I don't know what I've done to deserve any of this shit. Well, except- I do.
1: I think I it's pretty clear that you understand and appreciate him on a level that is noticeable. And I think that if there's anything we've realized by doing this show, it's that like that's the whole thing. Like I'm I was humbled that even that you or uh the guys in woods who like at that anybody who was involved or close to him at all appreciated it we were afraid to do that episode in a way i I was intimidated by doing it because yeah we who are we to do it and i think that the reason why it worked and why the people who told us it was meaningful or good uh, said that was because i think we're all on the same page on on some level about just um what it means that there's serious meaning uh, involved here in in the music and in the in the writing and um in the person and i think just by really being serious about that really caring about that that's that's doing as most that's that's doing the most it turns out and it, and sometimes that's enough to even like draw the attention of the the artists themselves because somebody can hype them up but not everybody's going to really see into what they do Right.
2: Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I think he is among the the artists who is aware of who is saying who who was aware of who was saying what and maybe how where it was coming from. And he would debate people, I think, anonymously or directly. Uh, I don't know. I he was just a hyper aware and interesting fellow who I got to encounter a few times in my life, and uh, he was. Incredibly kind to me when my mother was ill, uh, checking in with emails and and whatnot, because it paralleled his own experience with his own mother. And I think because he cared, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've heard stories about his kindness towards people. And uh, so, you know, I don't feel special. I just feel lucky. And uh, and yeah, that's it. I just wanted to say those things briefly to you, (laughs) because uh, I sometimes wonder as I Get these emails from people, or uh, get told I'm gonna be sent something exciting. What the fuck? Why? It's why? What did I do? But it's nice. <laughs> is all I'm getting at. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Your um, your episode, your episodes of Creative Control. First, you know the the pre-release uh, uh, interview with David himself, and then the the second one following his passing. Um, are just you know essential listening. So you know we'll put links to those in uh, the episode here. But anyone. Thank you remotely interested in any of this the, the second one in particular just the way you and it's funny you you keep talking in that episode about how you it's not something you do normally just like you, you talk to guests it's not natural for you to just riff into a mic on yourself uh, or on your own um, and yet it's you know I think it's one of the most you know uh, uh interesting and and emotional kind of listens that I've ever had on, on anything, just the way you narrate your entire kind of decades long history with David and weave in conversations with Bob and Will Oldham and Dan Behar and, uh, Malcolmus. And it's, um, yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary.
2: I will say thank you. Uh, I, I will spare you the self-effacing, uh, self-conscious horse shit (laughs) (laughs) because, uh, I, yeah, it, it, it was all very, uh, I've done a few of those since, sadly. I've had to. For Norm MacDonald, for my friend Alice Good of the Sadies. Uh, it, they seem to help people, and I forget that that's what mourning is, is commiserating. And uh, I think I said that a bunch of times in that episode. But um, yeah, But it was all like happening as I was like, I didn't know I was going to play those clips even, I don't think. I don't remember how... I don't remember. I don't really remember. I just remember going and thinking, well, maybe I'll put some clips in here and there and then not really vetting them or anything anyway you don't want to hear about this it was it was I'm glad it helped people it was a nice way to share the uh the relevant interview about I mean I was playing a little bit of that episode that you're talking about the uh one where I recall my life with David uh, I was playing a bit of it in the kitchen last night just to get to the uh 2008 interview uh, with right. David about uh, ostensibly about lookout mountain lookout sea. And my wife heard this come on and she was like, oh my God, it's baby you. You're like a little baby. And I was like, first of all, I'm turning this off. Uh, I am embarrassed. <laughs> now, it was a little weird to hear myself uh, stay on the page. He said a bunch of interesting shit. And I, I think I was also told you have... 30 minutes or 40 minutes whatever I had
0: right and I was right. like it turned into an hour it, it, it I don't know if it did actually I can't remember was it I don't I just remember I just listened to it today yeah it was it was at least was an hour, okay. if not longer
2: first of all sorry for taking up so much of your time in 2008 no, I, you know you could you
0: could have kept it going for three as far as I was concerned. I just
2: hear my mistakes like he said some really interesting shit that now I'd be like wait a second what was that and I just was like interesting right let's move on to whatever else I had on the page. So I hear that stuff. I have some hangups about what I did with David in 2019, but, but we, uh, interestingly, we went through a, a little bit, at, at least, uh, of every song on, uh, purple mountains, which was revelatory right. for a lot of people, I think. And, uh, I can, anyway, sorry, again, spare you my, uh, uh, self-conscious whining, but, uh, all I will say is I think I could have done some things a bit differently. And, uh, that's what happened. And, uh, what are you gonna do? I I hope I didn't blow it, but I not It sounds like it resonated with you. You didn't blow it.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. You didn't yeah. blow it. i just. I need to stop this right Canadian here. Canadian neuroses. You didn't blow it. Yeah, well, th- th- we're American, and this is an American Sorry program. Sorry about that. Yeah. The, in the U.S., in this country, we don't. Uh, we, we we don't self-efface. Uh, when we have done a great interview with a uh, on multiple occasions with a great artist with a yeah. great American artist. Sorry. Yeah. eh? Especially, especially when, <laughs> of, when he's, especially when, he, and as an American Jew, I, um, yeah. I guess I'm the only American Jew here. So um, I'll, yeah, I, that's fair I, to say. I can. I'll, bunch, I'll tell I you. Uh, I literally this this very day, I uh, I my parents have been going through my grandparents' place, uh, and they got uh, there was a mezuzah. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. It's a little um, little ornamental thingy that has contains a prayer uh, scroll inside of it and you put it on your doorways yeah. and i um i i today it was hammered one hammered it in to the door um there wow. this very day for just uh, by pure chance oh weird so um yeah I, uh it was the first day of Hanukkah last night as well. So, yes, Happy um, Hanukkah. Uh, we're in a I'm very, not... just a very Jewish season. Really. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Aren't
2: they all? <laughs> Aren't they all? Uh, I don't know what that means. I retract what I just said. I don't know what that means. Point, well, point uh... being
1: that uh, it's it's we, we couldn't be in a better time, place, or moment to uh, discuss uh, the, the silver Jews. And that's um, right. I, I'm sure we wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing this without uh, your. Uh, having stepped foot uh into the the podcast realm uh in, in, in as as it pertains to this band so I mean yeah. here we are
2: yeah I, I I think David uh is someone in my life who gave me a lot of gifts uh that's how I look at it I think from the records on to this weird interact like the fact the weirdness for me of the being able to interact with them i I view it all as a blessing as blessings and gifts like I and I I think he um I believe the Purple Mountains episode is the only audio interview he did. Granted, right. maybe I think mm-hmm. tapes have come out. From uh, I'll quickly tell you that story is that um, he didn't want it to be a podcast initially. He only wanted it to be print wanted it to be print. Mm. And I had encountered something similar in two thousand eight, where we recorded as you can hear. Ian, you listened to it, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. your
0: whole hour-long uh, radio interview. <laughs>
2: it's an hour-long, sure, I think. I thought it was shorter, <laughs> but I, I feel... Anyway, I uh, said, hey, uh, this is for a print piece for a magazine in Canada, but can we double-purpose it for the radio, which means can we pretend we're on the radio? And they said, sure. Right. And I'm not telling tales at a school. I think I mentioned this in the Remembrance episode. We did it. It felt It was basically what you heard. It felt good. Got a message from his publicist saying... David would like you not to run the radio interview. I said, oh, why not? And they were like, well, he, I don't know. He just said he didn't want it done. And right. I said, well, I can send him a version of it to vet. How about that? And I didn't hear anything for a few hours. Then the publicist wrote back, David is okay with you using it for the radio interview. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, okay. Sim- flat, you know, so f- fast forward to 2019, I hear tell... He doesn't want the audio, uh, to be used for a podcast. Uh, I, I shoot back and I, this, at this point I'm going through, uh, representatives. I'm not writing David directly about any of this, right. Following the protocol. And I say, uh, I say, uh, well, what, what if I, uh, we do it this way and then I edit it together and I send you guys the, uh, him in particular, the audio to listen to, and then he can decide whether it goes out. And then, uh, I did that. I, I, we did the interview, as you heard, uh, the 2019 one. I edited it thoroughly. I took out all the stammering, the ums and the ahs, and I, any resetting of sentences. I cleaned the motherfucker up. And then uh, I send, I said uh, to David, David, I finished the edit of the audio, uh, 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 and then I'll turn it into a, a print article later, but I haven't done that part yet. Do you want to hear it? And he write, writes back, uh, uh, can you send me a transcript? I said no. I'm not gonna. I haven't done that yet. I'm not gonna transcribe the whole thing, because at this point I'm a seasoned journalist and I know you don't have to do that. As a kid, <laughs> I would have transcribed every goddamn word of the sixty minutes. But now I'm like, no, I'll just transcribe. It's like a 500-word piece, so I'm not gonna go nuts. I don't. I'm not gonna ever transcribe the whole thing. I'm not, I can send you what I use. And he just said he wrote back, and all he said was, "It's fine. Go for it. Just mm. use it." Now, at the time, I took that as a nice vote of confidence. In retrospect, I think perhaps he had uh, resigned himself to whatever people did with his stuff. Mm. So I'm I'm conflicted about that aspect of things. I'm just being candid with you about this. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and sorry to dwell so much on the personal, but... Um, no, that is exactly,
1: you know, we're... We yeah. Yeah, we don't have we, to talk about this record song by song. If you like, honestly, no, no, we this can. Episode doesn't. <laughs> it, it, I. That's what we usually do. But it, when when there's so many things to just like stories and things to be said, it's like I, I don't know if we.
0: Yeah, it's just it's a privilege to be able to talk to someone who who. You know, was there with David and actually yeah. shook his hand and you know and had a conversation with him because that is, um, you know, uh, based on your experiences with him and and the interviews you've conducted and obviously just the outpouring of of remembrances and support from everyone across you know the entire fucking world, um, you know, over the last couple of years. At this point, it's clear that he touched so many lives and meant so much to so many different people. Um, and I don't know, I think, but I don't I don't know if he was conscious of it. Exactly, by, that's exactly right. Right, but by but saying.
2: By saying yes to me for this show that I do, he made the show. yeah, like it's it's another gift. like I get people like Kevin Morby and all sorts of people like I heard about your show because of David. I, right. I can't even I, I'm just naming one person uh, and and it, it happens all the time uh, that David did this for me, said yes, go for it. and I think he was giving me a gift because he didn't give it to anyone else. like he, I don't think he did another audio interview for that cycle. Right, he did, and he only did. What did he do? The Washington Post, the Ringer, a couple of bigger things. Well, that's a that's like and a me vote of
1: confidence toward you is yeah. that you know he just yeah. knows that you are going to handle it. I I would err on the side of him, probably having some faith that you are not the person who's going to fuck him over and no. changes up his words <laughs> and whatever.
0: And um, which I think is part of the benefit of the way that. You know, you do your show. You conduct yourself, and just like the your your approach to journalism, um, Mm. which is that you know David could just trust you, you individually as a human being, right? You you're not a representative of a fucking you know multinational uh, uh, corporation that owns a music publication. You're not a reporter at a newspaper who has to answer to editors and bosses and stuff. It's just it's you, and he has this Mm. trust and this relationship with you. Um, uh, that has been built. You know, there's no way to there's no way to to manufacture that or or get to that. Even with you know fifteen twenty minutes of snappy uh, icebreakers at the beginning of an interview, like it, it just it literally takes time to construct. You know, days, weeks, months, yeah. hours turn the days into months into years. To You're quote quoting them, the songs so. now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, let, on that note, let's uh, <laughs> yeah. let's I, fucking I really let's want, talk. About I want some to them. talk about
2: this, <laughs> yes. this
1: record because I, I uh, that's really. As if, if God forbid, somebody who is listening to this who just didn't even know who David Berman is, sorry, <laughs> but like uh, the reason why three uh, guys would talk about uh, have this much lead up is because um, very good
0: artist <laughs> we're talking about here, uh, and
1: um, so here we go. Let's go. Strange victory. Strange victory. Victory, Strange Defeat
0: Well, there you have it folks i want to thank vish again for joining us for such a heartfelt heart on sleeve conversation about his life his relationship with a man that meant so much to so many but unfortunately might not have known himself how deep those feelings went you can follow vish at creative control on twitter subscribe to the podcast, even pledge to the Patreon. Those links will be in the episode description, as always. Join us next time, please, really do, for the second part of our conversation about Silver Jews, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea, a beautiful record, filled with beautiful music. On Jokerman. What
1: is not but could be if What could appear in the morning mist With all associated risk What is not but could be What was not but could have been Was my obsession way back when Now I just remember this.